Some professionals and ministers drive themselves crazy, running from conference to conference and from one meeting to another, looking for someone to speak something new into their lives. Today's guest, Mike Shields, says the challenge for the 21st century are leaders that know how to lead themselves. Of course, leadership isn't developed in a vacuum. So how does Mike and the team at the Christian Training Network provide the tools to train thousands of leaders throughout Latin America and the Caribbean? Join us as we talk on this podcast about leading others by preparing yourself. This is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast, where we talk about leadership and influence and their role in advancing the kingdom of God. I'm Rachel Middleton, and we're so thankful that you're with us today. Thanks for making this time investment with us. Are you ready? Let's get started. How do you define leadership? Well, uh, depending on its context, leadership is the capacity of a person to encourage and lift up and direct the energies of people around them towards a common goal. So our premise about leadership is that influence is an expression of healthy leadership and leadership is best measured by its influence. How does that set in your context? I often talk about this, Rick, because in the Latin American context, having a title and a position is really a big thing. But I encourage them to use their influence and not load themselves down with responsibilities. This is one of the big problems. They take on five, six big responsibilities because with it comes a title. But anytime you take on a responsibility, then your calendar becomes more complicated. You have to dedicate more hours to that. Ultimately, there may be somebody else that could do that. When you're dealing with leadership through influence, you're taking your experience, your capacities, your knowledge base, the friendships you have, the contacts you have, and applying it in an area where you see a need and you can actually do something about it, but you're not loaded down with a calendar that makes it impossible to really give the energy to that. So I say that influence as a sphere is far more valuable than having the title of being a superintendent, director, president of this or that. And I think you've really hit on a great thing. I'd rather have influence than a title. Being with the the school and the university training network, you're in a leadership-rich environment. So you're a leader of leaders. What priorities uh, do you see from your, what what do you expect from yourself in that environment? What what are your, I'm trying to come up with the right way to say, but what's your, How do you challenge yourself as far as what you want to see accomplished with this group? What do you put upon yourself? What are your expectations for yourself? I prioritize every day to be in contact with our key people. We have key people. And I try to send them text messages. I try to call them. I'll send them photos. One of my teachers in Chile is really going through a difficult time. I sent him a photo today, talked with him. I try to every day reach out to these key people. There are so many of them. I can't keep up. I also spend an unusual amount of time writing notes, handwriting notes for partners here in the United States. In the last couple of days, I've probably written 50 handwritten notes. I spend an inordinate amount of time studying who's helping, who wants to hear from us, writing them notes, sending them little updates. That consumes my time. That pretty much tells my day. And so, yes, it is. Uh, if we just ran around doing the the little 
I'm thinking in Spanish, diligencias, doing a little daily list of things to do. You will not have time to do these things that are much more important, but don't seem to be as attractive and aren't as fun to do. Sometimes it's not so fun to be here making these calls, writing these notes, encouraging people, and staying on top of who is involved and who needs encouragement. Yeah, no doubt. We often can spend more time on the urgent or the trivial as opposed to being in quadrant two, or yeah. you talked about the planning. You say it often, Mike, uh, the urgent is rarely important and the important is rarely urgent. What does your leadership structure look like? Uh, as I described earlier, it's I'm the executive director. Out of that comes our executive committee, a group of highly trained, selected people across Latin America. There's 10 of us all together on that committee. Out of that, that committee selects national reps. There's one national rep who is appointed throughout Latin America in coordination with the local country. Each country nominates, we nominate, and then out of those nominations, we select. There are 18 of those reps. Those 18 reps become our method of communication. We have our main communication admin in Lima, Peru. We have our administrator located in Mexico City, Mexico. We have our controller for finance in uh, Houston, Texas. And then Monterey and I are here in uh, Pembroke Pines, Florida. And so much of the communication that you have is with these 18 representatives. You also have communication with this large committee that meets annually or however often. But for the most part, your communication is those 18. Is that correct? Yeah, that would be correct. Mostly with the uh, with the 10 who are on the executive committee who then have portfolios. It is a coordination of their energies and efforts. And then we are in real close communication each month. Last month, there were three countries that were operating the one-month seminars. We were in Honduras. I was there three weeks. And we had Paraguay, and we had, I think there was one other country, I'm I'm sorry, but there was one other country in operation all simultaneously. So that's a big effort. Is there a structure beneath these representatives? How does does that look beneath those representatives? When we're in a seminar, it's one month. In the local context, I had 44 students this last week, choose two chaplains, one for the women, one for the men. We have two student representatives that represent the plantel, that would be the food preparation, supplies, the proper function of the buildings. We have two student reps for that. We have the national treasurer who comes in and sits in our meetings. Often the national superintendent will come and we have those weekly meetings. Those meetings meet weekly and the seminars so that we are sure that as we are operating, uh, things are operating correctly. People are living on top of each other. They're not used to that. We want to make sure that the bathrooms are supply. We want to make sure electricity is on. Yeah. Once in a while, when I was there, electricity went off. It was a beast. We had to arrange to get a generator to come in. It's it's huge challenges constantly. Something hits. So we have a committee that meets regularly at the local level in order to deal with all those questions. And I'm just thinking, how do you maintain communication with 9,000 people? How do they still feel connected to the Christian Training Network when there are so many of them and they're geographically spread out throughout yeah. Latin well, America? Not all 9,000 are in classes all at the same time. These are people who have been students all over Latin America. Their seminars are not active every month. 
it's an on-site for a month out of a year in one location. Then they go home and do their their, their directed things. It's not all 9,000 at one time doing sure. one thing. We have over 3,000 graduates. And then of those 3,000, some are going on to their master's level. So um, we can phase in and out dealing with it. But it, it is it is a daunting prospect. Who's your source that you go to to learn about leadership and influence? I do a lot of stuff on YouTube. I love looking at leadership stuff on YouTube. I got to tell you, one of my heroes for pastoral speaking, I'll just be honest with you, Bobby Schuler. I think he's absolutely incredible. He's inspirational. He is theologically sound. Well, he's a graduate of Oral Roberts University. He's a graduate of RU. Mike and I live here in Tulsa, and so obviously he's really good. And he's a graduate of Fuller. And I feel that he gives the most update, in balance, wonderful presentation of the gospel for a secular world. I like to refer to him with my students. And I also am a big fan of Stephen Covey material. You can get it in Spanish on the internet. I think Covey had a lot to offer. I like Maxwell. I think Maxwell stuff, uh, many of my slide uh, programs that I use for our leadership particularly leadership stuff, comes from the John Maxwell uh, organization. So those are the kinds of resources that we like to use. There there are other ones in Latin America, but those are the ones that I select, and I feel they've been powerfully helpful in our teaching. Mike Atkins and I are fans of Craig Rochelle at Life Church. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's and awesome. The guy's amazing. He's so inspirational. Incredible. And I love Craig's way of how he inspires, how he speaks so clearly. This is one of the problems we have in Latin America is how our messaging is goofed up with our cultural context. And to disassemble the cultural context, grab a microphone, shout for a half hour, 45 minutes. We deal with a lot of that and we're, we have to disassemble the context and reinsert another context. The great challenge for our ministry is when these people come together, we realize that at least half of them, sometimes more than 50%, have come absolutely dried out. They've come searching. They know they have to have something different. They come empty. They come dry. They come discouraged. They come with no money. Their families are stressed out. Rick, I'm in places where they live in such constant danger of their lives. Honduras is the most dangerous country in all of South America. It competes with El Salvador. It competes with Venezuela for being the most violent, difficult place to live. And easy transit and easy communication is not available. And they come in that condition. And unless we have a touch of God, unless we have a real touch of the Holy Spirit in our meetings and our classes, we have prayer meetings with them in the evenings That is what sends them back, able to face it one more time. And I encourage leaders listening, the people around you need you to have a touch of God on your life. They need you to be in harmony with your accountability partners or the people that are close to you, but they need you to be in touch with God because their ministry often depends on it. Will they make it? And I just believe that we're making a difference there because we have people that have that conviction. And I found in leadership training that I've done in mostly in Egypt, but also in in other countries, that the things that I come and share are things that they will take home and they will preach those things in the days ahead. 
They come dry. They come without new ideas. And they're looking for something to take home that can make it work for them for the next few weeks or a few months until they have an opportunity together to come back together again. And Rick, that what you have just said is the absolute essence of leaders of leaders. I've recognized a long time, Mike, that my brother is a leader of leaders. And what he has just said is the essence of leadership. And that is that I will provide material. I will provide a spiritual structure. I'll provide an enthusiasm and anointing and a joy for life and ministry that will inspire the people under me to go back and imitate that. What Rick has just said is the essence of a leader among leaders. One of the most iconic songs from the decades following World War II was the song, I Did It My Way, a tune still instantly recognizable all over the world. Though he didn't write it, Frank Sinatra made the song famous. In fact, it became his signature song. And 50 years later, it is still being played from karaoke bars to funerals and everywhere in between. But his daughter Tina claims he hated it. He felt the lyrics were self-serving and self-indulgent. Recently, I was with an individual who didn't cite the title or the lyrics, but its message was embedded in his words when he said, I don't have to explain what I do to anybody. Well, we may not have to explain our actions, but leaders are held accountable. And we are not only responsible for how those actions impact our lives, but also for how they may affect others. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God and do not cause anyone to stumble even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Sinatra was right. Doing things my way is self-serving and self-indulgent. And doing things God's way puts his kingdom first, provides a godly model to others, and places us in the path of his blessing. Well, Rick, let's take a few seconds to kind of unpack a little of what uh, we discussed with with Mike there. And, and I understand and I know that you have an understanding of kind of where he's coming from in, in the ministers and the, the pastors that he's dealing with, because you go and do your conferences in Egypt and you've traveled to many areas that he's dealing with in Central America that he's done, that he's dealing with students with. So can you kind of give us some insight, just take a minute or two to kind of give us a context of the type of person that, that he's interacting with or that he's leading on a daily basis? I think it would be fair to relate them to some people, for example, in conferences I've done in, in Egypt. Because of the isolation that many of these people have, they travel from the southern part of Egypt called Upper Egypt. Uh, they travel from the southern part of Egypt up to the north where the infrastructure is more complete. And We'll often provide transportation for them to get there. They come off the buses and they they come with nothing in the first place. They come really with nothing. We often bring clothing that we give away that they can take home so they've got different clothes to wear. It's interesting to watch these people from Upper Egypt where sand is much more prevalent than grass. And they'll get off the bus at a conference center that we're renting or using, they'll take their shoes off and they'll walk through the grass barefoot Hmm. because they just don't have that back home. Sometimes they'll lay down in the grass just to have the feeling of that texture of the grass. But it's not the grass. It's the fact that there's some level of irrigation. And we think about how dry their soles are 
in comparison, just like how dry that desert is. And so to have an opportunity for them to come together and worship together and to have community with one another, to eat dinner together, I think if we didn't even speak a word, they'd go home enriched. But then by having an opportunity to share with them and share from our hearts and share from our experiences gives them material to take back that they can grow from in the days ahead and hopefully to do something that will impact their church and their community. So it's, Mike, it, I have to tell you, to be in these difficult, desperate situations, it's a great joy and an honor. And it's also really difficult, too. It's not an easy thing to do. But well, it just makes me appreciate so much that what we take for granted. And so here we have pastors and ministers in remote areas that don't have the opportunity to interact with others on a frequent basis. And so they carry a huge load uh, often by themselves. And I think what your brother Mike was, was stating is that how important their relationship with God becomes and how important it is that they have that interaction on a daily basis um, because they don't have the opportunity to, to grab that from someone else. And then it makes sense then how that the in-person classes become and those seminars become so important because you get the opportunity to interact with others who are in the same situation that you're in. And so there is that feeling of support camaraderie uh, that just naturally comes about. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing real quick before we jump out, I think before, and, and one of the things that we talked about was the importance of being intentional with our days. And I, I think Mike was very in tune with that and, and, and making sure that we focus upon the important things. I heard someone say recently that, you know, we can spend our way, our life any way we want to. We only get to spend it once though. And so there is that thing that we can kind of get caught into a routine and each day becomes like the last one. And before we know it, it's a year, five years, 10 years, and we really haven't accomplished near what we want to accomplish or do the things that we want to do. And really it starts one day at a time and yeah. creating that intentional focus on what do I want or what does God want me to do for today? I heard this quote recently, unless what happens when we gather translates into what happens when we scatter, then what happens when we gather doesn't really matter. There you go. And I find myself at 67 years old now wanting to make sure that the things I do are intentional and strategic. Yeah. In the past, just having opportunities was wonderful. Now I have opportunities And I want to make certain that those opportunities are counting. I don't know, Mike, how many years I have left that I can do the things I do. I don't do I have five years, 10 years. I'm not sure, but it does behoove me to make certain that I am trying to organize my life, organize this ministry so that it is strategic and it's important and that we're not just running after the urgent, but we are desperately seeking the important and doing the important. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. I'm glad you're able to be with us. By the way, if you would, please take a moment to like or subscribe so that you can be notified when a new podcast drops. And as always, we're so grateful and thankful that you have chosen to give up your time and spend it with us. And we hope that you have learned and and developed or been able to pull something from this podcast that's going to help you in your ministry. And as always, grace and peace to you. Hey friend, that's our show for today. If you enjoyed the content or would like to hear future podcasts, please subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. 
On behalf of Mike Atkinson, Rick Shields, and our amazing Doorways Leadership and Influence Network partners, this is Rachel Middleton saying thanks for listening. 